on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They're looking at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. On ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, you now heard on 96.5 FM. Tapping in Mohawk Valley, great to have you here. Perhaps you're listening on the ESPN app, wherever you go, whatever you do. That is a great way to stay in touch with the program. You can listen on Alexa, just uh, tell hey, Alexa. Enable the ESPN Syracuse skill, and then you can listen to us on Alexa. You can listen to our podcast on demand. I mean, however you're taking in the show today. We appreciate it. We love that you're here. Thank you for being here. This is our Burdick BMW opening drive. Here's how you make yourself a part of the program. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line, 2880644 to get in touch. We have one guest joining us today right here in this hour. Hey, kids, remember football? Spring football is underway. Stephen Bailey, Syracuse.com, on the beat, all the things to look out for during spring practice. I think we know the headline there, and that is how uh, young Tommy DeVito takes over adjustments. And, what you know, the difference between a Tommy DeVito-led offense versus an Eric Dungy-led offense Will be. It'll still be high octane. It'll still be fast paced. It'll still be the principles that Dino Babers puts into place. But when you have a different quarterback, you adjust the skill set, right? So that's certainly something to look out for. But what else? What are the other things that we can take from spring practice and, you know, from the limited viewing time that the media gets in these things and building up to the spring game next month? And I found a couple interesting things about Dino Babers today that I want to discuss with Steven. So. Let's just uh, stay tuned for that. It's coming up in about 15 minutes. Stephen Bailey, Syracuse.com. A little football talk going here today. We'll go uh, on the blind side as usual later in the program. We will do some hot takes and so much more throughout the show. So glad you're here. Let's do this thing. Let's dig in. It's Tuesday. Another snowstorm coming. More lake effect tonight. I got them winter blues. I won't do that to you again. So how do you view last night's game? Here's how Jerry McNamara views last night's game, as heard earlier today on Orange Nation. You know, we, we can't dodge the fact that we just got our butts whipped. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, they, they completely um, put it on us in the second half of this basketball game, and 
you got to you got to admit when you get licked, and we got licked. I mean, it's just it's it's as simple as that. We we you know we got outplayed, and um, you know you got to turn around and put things behind you. You got to learn from it. I mean, there's a lot of things that that uh, we're going to be showing these guys. Certainly, I'm sitting in my office right now watching this thing still. Um, you know, we want to get better from this. Uh, we don't want this feeling again. I'm sick. Um, I hope our guys are. Um, so, you know, the great thing about this league and about our, our sport is usually you have quick turnarounds and uh, anything can happen on any given night. I'd like to play, you know, Virginia tomorrow. Uh, that's just how I feel as a competitor. Um, you know, the, these type of games, uh, these type of performances, uh, if they don't leave you feeling sick to your stomach, you shouldn't be involved in this. So Here's how Jim Beheim views at least part of last night's game. We just didn't play any defense. Really, our three-point defense was bad the whole game. We allowed them to have threes, open threes. In the first half, they made eight. And the second half, that just continued. Uh, but again, our three-point defense was the worst it's ever been since I've been here. Now, sometimes Beheim is prone to hyperbole, but in this case, he's exactly right, because it literally is the worst three-point defense Syracuse ever played, because Virginia had a record number of three-pointers against Syracuse at the Carrier Dome, however you want to put it, right? So, in that case, he's right. But the way I look at last night's game, at least partially, there's certainly some flaws and some things that have to be pointed out here. But I guess it goes to a matter of what your expectation is. And I want to play another clip from Bayheim. You play the the one, what, one, two, five teams in the country in ten days. We're not that we're not as good as they are. You know, that's the bottom line. We played pretty well against Duke, really well at North Carolina. We had a good first day. We're not better than these teams. And we're not even close to being better than these teams. But that doesn't mean you can't be a good team. These teams are three, three of the four or five best teams in the country. And, you know, we, we need to learn from it, figure some things out. They could be the top three seeds in the upcoming NCAA tournament, though. We had Sean McDonough on the show yesterday. He discussed it with Jay Billis on the broadcast last night. It probably won't average out that way, but they're going to have two. I think the team we saw last night is, you know, pretty much deadlocked into a number one seed in the tournament, which didn't go so well for Virginia last year, but I think this Virginia team's better. Now, everybody has bad nights, bad matchups. You never know what the tournament could bring you. But that's why I asked the question in how you view this. Because if you think Syracuse is as good as those three teams, I admire your enthusiasm, but you're a little delusional. Now, did Syracuse have the lead at halftime against all three of these teams? The answer is yes. We're up 34-32 last night, and by all stretches, played as well as could be. They handle, see, with these teams, you have to kind of absorb the impact as best you can and find ways around your flaws. Against North Carolina, Syracuse found ways around the huge rebounding gap because pace of play, more possessions, they were shooting well, they were scoring, they enjoyed the high pace of the game. Last night, for a good part of the game, it was the other way. They actually rebounded so well and got enough possessions and stayed in the game and forced Virginia into something that they are not comfortable doing. And that is, that's a team that averages just under 10 rebounds per game. Let's just round it out to 10. Virginia averages 10 rebounds, or I shouldn't say rebounds, pardon me, turnovers. 10 turnovers a game. They had seven in the first half. So you shook them just enough, but what you keep watching and keep seeing and keep saying, my God, they just don't miss, was a historic three-point shooting performance which brings out a lot of emotions from people, the man-to-man 
People were out and about last night, Shirley. Just... Did you see that shot that Ty Jerome hit from 30 feet? What, what's How's man-to-man defense going to fix that? Because even if you were in a man-to-man defense, you're not guarding him out there. Kyle Guy gets off three-point shots quicker than almost anybody I've seen. So I just kind of said, and I don't think the same way you do. Fan thinks one way, media thinks another. Now, I grew up here. I grew up a fan of this team and kind of transitioned into the media mode that I am in now, so I'm not completely detached from that, but I try to keep it objective when I watch this team. I, I don't have an emotional investment in other than, you know, when people ask me that, like, do you root for Syracuse? As a matter of fact, my daughter asked me this last night. We were watching things. She's like, Dad, do you root for Syracuse? And I say, well, I do in this way. I want them to do well because I want the fans to experience deep tournament runs, the Final Four. When this team does well, there's nothing like it in this town. The buzz of a Final Four run, last year's team that just kept winning and going to the Sweet 16, this town just doesn't get higher than that. There's a lot of great things about Syracuse. I'm currently exploring a lot of those things in the Stick to Syracuse podcast. I hope you can subscribe to that. But there is nothing like the high that a Syracuse basketball run in March can bring you. Which also brings me to this. If you want to compare yourself, like Judge Smales, how do you compare yourself to other golfers? With Syracuse, they know they're not as good as the three teams that they just lost to in the last four games. But I think we all kind of knew that going in. And you can get your doors blown off and not be competitive in any one of those games, last night being that case, as Jerry just said, full-on butt-whipping. Duke and Carolina, I think even in your heart of hearts, knew... You're not winning those games. But you saw how close and competitive they were at times. They just couldn't get over that proverbial hump. Last night is just beyond fluky in the sense of how many threes that Virginia made. So, again, here's how I think differently than you. At some point, I just settled in, and I enjoyed watching Virginia play because that loss – doesn't affect Syracuse's NCAA tournament standing at all. I didn't really expect Syracuse to win that game. I was impressed with how they played in the first half, but I said it on the show yesterday. They just don't match up with this team. At one point, you just got to take a step back and admire a really good team doing what they do. And look, it's March 5th. We're in March. The tournament is just around the corner here. Certain teams gain certain momentum at this time of the year. And again, I think that's where a lot of the frustration from Syracuse fans is coming from. I don't think you sense this team is building momentum as it needs to going into March. Does that matter? Well, last year they barely got in and made a run to the Sweet 16. But that's where I think perspective comes into play. If you think this team is on that level, they're not. They're at the next level, and... As I wrote on Syracuse.com, you go through the last few games, and they are 1-5 against the teams above them in the ACC standings. They're 9-2 and two with one to go against Clemson on Saturday against the teams below them in the ACC standings. What does that all mean? It means they're a tournament team. That's what it means. And not to use this old expression, but at the end of the day, you just want to be a tournament team. This is a tournament team. Now, do you need certain elements to make deep runs in March that maybe this team doesn't? That's where I am on your wavelength. That's where I 
look at a fan who's you know looking at things right now and is a little frustrated, and they say, I don't see a team that can gain momentum in the tournament with certain aspects of their play, how O'Shea Brissett is struggling to shoot the ball. That's now a trend, right? After those three straight double-doubles, O'Shea is now in a trend of bad shooting. And this trend is that. Two of eight, three of nine, five of 11, three of 13, eight of 24. That's a two-game combination. That's six games of shooting. Adding up to 13 of 41. That's 31%. That's a trend. And Jim Beheim said it last night about O'Shea's offensive struggles. O'Shea's had trouble scoring, shooting. He just he can't make shots. You know, so you don't have to play him out there, play him for the drive. And, uh, you know, he's just, he has struggled shooting the ball from day one, really, this year. He has. Were there certain stretches of the season that wasn't the case? I just brought him up. Three straight double-doubles, other games from three-point range. If you look at the six-game trend, it's the same thing. Again, you don't really count on O'Shea to shoot the three. He's backed off on shooting the three generally, but he's 2 of 16 in that stretch. You need great guard play to win in March, right? Well, Tyus Battle gives you great guard play, but last night he ran into DeAndre Hunter, who really studied how to guard Tyus, really reviewed the film, went technique, and really harassed Tyus to the point that Tyus had, what, 11 points in that game? How many did he have with Hunter, like, really guarding him? It wasn't a lot. How many DeAndre Hunters are out there from here on out? Talking about Clemson on Saturday, who knows how deep you go in the ACC tournament and then into the NCAA tournament that have somebody that could guard battle that closely? That'll be something to keep an eye on. Frank Howard hasn't played great as of late. He's had his moments, but kind of slipped back into, unfortunately, on a senior night, Kind of an average game, only playing 22 points last night. Last year it was different. He was averaging 14 points per game. He was great defensively, and there was momentum there, even though Syracuse was a team fighting for its collective tournament life this time a year ago and had only five players, basically. But what coaches will tell you, what Beheim will tell you, and again, I'm not saying you have to agree with this. It's just the matter of it. Just get to the darn tournament. Hit the reset button and go from there. And this is a tournament team. So you can look at last night, as some have deemed it, an embarrassment, which it's not. You can look at it as a good old-fashioned butt-whipping by a really good team, as Jerry McNamara said. Or you can look at it with a little perspective of, you weren't on their level anyway. How do you look at it, is the question. How long do you let that one linger? There's certain games that linger, that stick with you, that say, we could not do that. Had they lost to Wake Forest, that would have been the case. Earlier in the season, you lose back-to-back games to Buffalo and Old Dominion, and you say, well, boy, okay, we got some work to do here. That's a game. You lost to a team that's in the short conversation and now win the national championship last night who made 18 three-pointers, five or six of which you could have had Gary Payton defending them. And I bring up Gary Payton, old-school reference, the glove, one of the great defenders, right? You could think of a great defender. Could have been right there on that player. Wouldn't have mattered. Ty Jerome's 30-footer. Some of the shots Kyle Guy got off. I'm like, I don't care who or what defense you're in. You're not stopping that. So let's say you eliminate those. That's 12 three-pointers they still hit and probably pull away because Syracuse's offense struggled once again. But that is an interesting stat from last night. Of all the things, all you had to do was take the three-point performance by Virginia 
And that alone would have beat Syracuse 54-53. I mean, that's just, what do you do about that? You just you move on from it is what you do because it's Virginia. Let's get a phone call or two in here. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Stephen Bailey's going to join us on the other side, talk some spring football. Dave in Syracuse is going to lead us off first, though, on the block ESPN Radio. Hey, Dave. Hey, Brent. Uh, this is Dave, the one who met you at the mall. Hey, man, it was, it was great to, to see you. <laughs> Thanks coming out to the Orange Job, my friend. You're welcome. I just want to say one thing about the crowd. I was at the game last night, and it was pretty pathetic. I mean, I know we lost by a lot, and the crowd left like at five minutes ago, but it's senior night. Stay the whole game, even though we're getting blown out, to support the seniors. I don't understand. I mean, it's so frustrating that they left. I stayed till the end of the game. I know they don't want to. They probably. I know it was a weeknight game. They probably had to work and stuff, but that's just plain old ridiculous, I think. I want to get your take on it. My take is you don't have to stay to the end when they're down by 20 coming down the stretch. They applauded and gave the seniors their due at the beginning of the game. My bigger complaint is, and I know that they were just stunned silent by what happened, and once you kind of saw that this one was over, I'm not saying you got to be fully engaged in this thing with three minutes to go and you're down by 20, and Virginia's putting their walk-ons in. But there were certainly points in that game where the crowd could have been better. There's nearly 30,000 people there last night. The game's still in hand. I remember at one point it was 50-43, to 43 and the crowd was just dead silent. So I, I, when I complain about crowds, it's more that. Like, if you're there, do something. When the game's competitive. Staying to the end in a 20-point blowout, I don't care. Whatever. The senior night thing, like, they got their due. The senior night is for the beginning of the game, not the end of the game. Speaking of senior night, we didn't even say his name. Look, Pascal Chukwu, <laughs> I mean, that guy just keeps giving you gravy. If you're giving me eight points and eight rebounds from Pascal at this point, and maybe he's gaining a little confidence and getting a little more aggressive, starting to recognize things. Now, last night, what you saw Virginia, I've got a break here because we've got Bailey coming up, but what you saw Virginia do was put the ball in the middle to tie Jerome, draw out Pascal, and then pass out to the wide-open three-point shooters or sometimes inside if that shot was open. But by and large, I thought Pascal played pretty well. Great senior night for him, not so much for Frank. All right, let's break. And Tyus is senior night as well. That's so good for him. Let's break on that note. Talk some football coming up. Stephen Bailey on the block next. You're on the block ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. of the game wanting to make them drive get them off the three-point line we didn't do that so when you let guy and jerome shoot those shots they're going to make them and we just did a very poor job of getting them off the line and they took advantage of it i'll give you that one from 40 feet i mean no one's stopping that but could you have played better defense got out made them dribble do some things certainly but I look at it, and he's just that good. Got white hot from the three. Syracuse couldn't match it offensively. You move on. I mean, that's that's a game that's not going to linger with me long. But that's how I look at it. How do you look at it is the question. It's still a tournament team. This team was on the bubble, was in serious danger of missing the tournament. Even that wouldn't concern me because that's not a game you need to notch the NCAA tournament belt. You don't need that. They could lose out and still make the tournament. 
right? So I I look at the long view on this. If you want to take the short view and, and grumble and mumble because Virginia hit 18 threes last night, I mean, you don't want to be on that side of history, but that was just I, – I, at some point I just stepped back and I said, I'm, I'm just going to watch this and I'm going to be in awe of this team and I'm, I know who I'm writing in in my bracket. That's dangerous after what happened last year, but that's just how college basketball goes. They'll lose to a 16 seed one year and win the title the next. Virginia always finds a way to stumble in the tournament, though. You remember Malachi Richardson, anybody? But this team, this team looks different because they've got everybody back. They can shoot the three. Great defense. Good rebounding. I mean, every, good coaching. You see the adjustment that Tony Bennett made last night, putting Jerome in the middle, and he's just finding everybody. Dude had 14 assists. Go back to the phone and see what you think. 437-7644. We go to Liverpool where Steve is today on the block. Hey, Steve. Hey. Um, this game kind of reminded me of a game you were talking about, Jerry Mack, before. That in his senior year, you might remember this, they went on the road and played the Paul. The Paul could not miss. They hit 16 three-pointers. They lost by 39 points. And that was the year they had magical run in the biggest That's tournament. Right. Remember that? Think how people, and I remember the score of that game, just one of those weird things, Steve. I can't remember to take the garbage out half the time, but I remember that game was 108-69. They couldn't miss. And at that point, it, it, which was right around this time of the year, people were pretty upset. Like, how do you go to DePaul and lose like that? And people were starting to doubt this team. And like you said, they needed that miracle run in the tournament just to get in, but you never know what's around the corner, particularly in March. You couldn't have more contrasting feelings as a fan. You couldn't feel any worse at that point, but then Jerry McNamara made you feel as good as could be just a week later. It was crazy. Yeah, and then that's what I'm saying is I'm with you. This was one game you're playing probably the top team in the country the way they played last night. They just could not miss. At some point, you just got to accept they're that good and just watch them do their thing. If this was a team more middle of the pack, somebody you would put in the category of should beat, I would understand more frustration. But at some point, I just said, all right, look, this this team's that good, and I'm going to start taking notes for my office pool. Really? Like, am I, am I, am I feeling good about going in on Virginia here? Because they're not going to hit 18 threes going down the stretch here. But, you know, if they can hit at a good – and they were – a 40% team coming in. Think about it. 40% is really good from three-point range. They made it look like nothing because they shot 72%. Who does that? You know who does that? No one does that because it was a record. Let's see what Vince in Syracuse says on the block ESPN Radio. What's up, Vince? How you doing, Brad? Not bad, man. What's cooking? Uh, I'm just wondering how many games did SU have the lead this year going into halftime? I don't, I don't have that stat offhand. I have to look it up. I know they had the lead in all the last three games against these top teams. They led Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia at halftime. Okay. Well, you mentioned it just a few minutes ago that the Virginia coach made the adjustments at halftime so that his team came back and took the lead and, and finally won that game. I have never once heard... Jim Beheim blame his coaching prowess on any of these losses. He says, we're not shooting, we're not playing defense, blah, 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 blah. He's not making the adjustments to retain the lead. He's getting outcoached. What adjustment What adjustment would you have made last night? Now, I'll, I'll say this. I would have pressed at a certain point, but when you're pressing, there's a little danger because you're, you're overcompensating, you're getting tired more quickly, you're... 
There's a number of things that can go wrong in the press, but you play Bayheim, Vince. What adjustments do you make at halftime? Because what Tony Bennett did was he put Ty Jerome in the middle. He gets the ball there, draws up Pascal Chukwu, and then he's finding the open guys, both on the three and in the middle. Now, you play coach. You tell me what adjustment you make. They didn't extend the the zone as far as they should have, and, and Jim said that after the game. That's why they nailed all those three-pointers. Now, some of those threes were from way deep. Some of those threes were catch and shoot. Some of them were open, right? I mean, there, there's there's a mixture there. But let me go back, and thanks for the call, Vince. And here we go with the same old, he didn't make adjustments. But there's adjustments, and then there's, how about you do what you were told to do before the game? And I think Jim made a good point to say what they wanted to do in terms of defending Virginia, what the plan was going into the game. Now, I'm not saying you can't make adjustments, but when you have a plan, maybe sticking to it can help. Let's go back. We just didn't play any defense. Really, our three-point defense was bad the whole game. We allowed them to have threes, open threes. In the first half, they made eight. And the second half, that just continued. Uh, But again, our three-point defense was the worst it's ever been since I've been here. We went into the game wanting to make them drive, get them off the three-point line. We didn't do that. So when you let Guy and Jerome shoot those shots, they're going to make them. And we just did a very poor job of getting them off the line, and they took advantage of it. And they did extend the zone in certain instances. I just brought it up. Pascal had to cheat up because Jerome was getting the ball in the middle. So let's say they do that. Let's say they extend the zone. And Virginia makes four less threes because of that. When you're not scoring on the other end, you're not creating as many turnovers as you were because their defense was actually pretty good at times in the first half. When you go 7 of 26 in the second half, when O'Shea Brissett's not scoring, when your leading scorer's been shut down and you're not getting somebody to compensate for it, you see how this all adds up? I'm not saying you're wrong, Vince, and I'm not saying anybody who's thinking they should have made adjustments is completely wrong, but you've got to look at the other aspects of it. Syracuse lost that game last night because Virginia shot the lights out. They also lost that game last night because they couldn't keep pace on offense and they couldn't keep pace on the boards. And when you don't keep pace on the boards, you lose possessions against a Virginia team that's going to kill you every time you do. So you can give me the same old net narratives of extend the zone, make adjustments. He never makes adjustments. Sometimes it's not about adjustments. How about it's we had a good plan to start with that you didn't execute. So again, tell me what those adjustments are. Let's look at how Virginia played. Would they have worked? Or are you just complaining on a sports talk radio show? I'm not being sarcastic. I'm, 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 I'm asking that rhetorically. So when you call, and Vince had an answer, so thank you for that. But when you say these things on radio, social media, whatever the case may be, all okay, so what adjustments do you make? Tell me, Coach, what do you, what would you do? We'll play man-to-man. Okay. Do you, do you think Virginia hasn't seen man-to-man defense all year, wouldn't figure out how to move the ball and get those shots off against a man-to-man? And by the way, it's Syracuse team that hasn't played man-to-man defense since, like, you know, either in a press situation or that time they lost to LeMoyne. That's your answer? Okay. I'd come up with a better one. Let's break on that note. We'll make that hot takes presented by the Press Room Pub. 
the number one sports entertainment venue in central New York and historic Herald Square, downtown Syracuse. Back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. You play the the one what one two five teams in the country in ten days. We're not that we're not as good as they are. You know that's the bottom line. We played pretty well against Duke, really well at North Carolina. We had a good first day. We're not better than these teams. We're not even close to being better than these teams. But that doesn't mean you can't be a good team. These teams are three, three of the four or five best teams in the country, and you know we we need to learn from it. Figure some things out. That's Jim Beheim, of course. As we welcome you back on the block, ESPN Radio, presented by Burdick Toyota. Great to have you here on this Tuesday. Another big lake effect snow thingy coming. Y'all, listen. I know it's winter. I know it snows here till Mother's Day and all that stuff. But can we keep our lake effect snowstorms in the months of December, January, and February. Is that too much to ask? Like March, I'll, I'll take cold. I'll take a little bit of snow, but 6 to 12 inches lake effect. Higher in localized amounts. I mean, it's, it's March. Stop it. Anyway, great to have you here. 437-7644 is the phone number if you'd like to join the party. We're guest-free this hour, so you can be my guest. We'll go on the blind side, but I'll certainly keep it on the Syracuse basketball front. Look, 18 three-pointers. When a team is that hot, is shooting that well, I don't care what defense you throw at them. Play man-to-man. Okay, maybe they make 12. Extend the zone. What, what's that going to do? Did you see some of those shots Kyle Guy was hitting? The one that Ty Jerome hit from 30 feet out? That was insane. That's something. That's like Haley's Comet, seeing a team shoot that well from three. 18 of 25, not the number they hit. Like, you can take 43 pointers and hit 16. It's how efficient Virginia was. 18 of 25. That's crazy. On three-point shots alone, they would have beat Syracuse 54-53. Now add in what they did inside. So it wasn't just the shooting. DeAndre Hunter played excellent defense. The best defense we've really seen anybody do on Tyus Battle this year. Frank Howard... Didn't have a great senior night. Regressed a little bit. O'Shea Brissett. This is now a trend. This is a trend that he's not shooting well. He is 13 of 41 in his last six. Or, I'm sorry, he's 21 of 65 in his last six. He's 13 of 41 in his last four. Either way, that's 32%. That's a trend that's not good. He's not shooting well. He's not getting the opportunities there. They're in spots. They're in spurts, but they're certainly not consistent. O'Shea's had trouble scoring. Shooting, he just he can't make shots, you know. So you don't have to play him out there, play him for the drive, and uh, you know he's just he has struggled shooting the ball from day one, really this year. It's Jim Beheim last night, and if you want to focus in on you know everybody's favorite subject when they lose, which is to change defenses, make adjustments, push out the zone, the same narratives I've heard forever. There were other elements to that game that cost Syracuse, going 7 of 26 themselves in the second half, and I understand how good Virginia is defensively, but they let at halftime, were hitting the boards, and actually, you know, put a plan out there in the first half that kept that game competitive. One big adjustment led Virginia 
past Syracuse, and that's putting Jerome at the free throw line. Did you see how many passes he distributed? Again, some of those shots were quick, and some of those shots were from way outside, and some of those shots were undefendable. Not all of them, but a good number of them. 437-7644 is the phone number, and that's what I was impressed with in the first half. Syracuse attacked the glass against one of the better rebounding teams. They got Virginia to turn the ball over seven times. They averaged 10 a game. But you got to keep scoring. You got to make. You got to recognize Tyus Battle. I'm going to get the shots. Usually is because Hunter's all over him. So who makes up for it on the offensive end? And they couldn't quite find that guy. Hughes went just three of seven. The least amount of shots he's taken in like eight games. Still managed 11 points. He scored doubles and five straight. We mentioned O'Shea's offensive struggles. Pascal was active early. Got a couple plays inside, but you can't count on him to be a big scorer. Marek didn't even score last night. We mentioned Frank's offensive struggle. Buddy hit a few threes, but wasn't enough to, to be the, you know a key offensive player with your main guy struggling. So when Tyus struggles on offense and O'Shea's not there with him, it all wilts from there. And then when you got Virginia going 18 of freaking 25, I just you just got to be in awe of that. I'm sorry. At some point, you just got to say, look, if anything, I know who I'm writing in the middle of my bracket right now. I think they're that good. Now, I certainly think Duke's that good, and I certainly think other teams are that good, but I like this Virginia team, and it's it's dangerous to fall in love with them because, well, uh, Malachi Richardson happens, and, oh, you know, last year when they were a number 1 seed and lost happens. There's just something about this team in March that wilts. But boy, I like this team a lot. I fall in love with Virginia every year, and it costs me, but no, no, I really, really like this one. How about Jake in Syracuse? What does he have to say? Let's. What do you have to say? At four three seven seventy six forty four. Hey Jake. Hey, you, you didn't give that kid enough credit. That was more than thirty feet. I mean, he was three steps across half court when he shot that three, and it just went in. There was no rim. There was no nothing. Unbelievable. Was, Drilled it. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stretch the zone to half court? <laughs> yeah, what's that? It doesn't yeah. really work yeah, that exactly. well when you do that. That's not a good strategy to extend the zone out that far. You're going to make that right. shot. We'll give it to you. You want to go, man? You need three more men out there. You need eight guys because they were just on fire. Sometimes you got to tip the cap. You got to look back when uh, Jerry McNamara's senior year. I was saying this all day. DePaul beat us at their place by thirty-three. Yeah, and Jerry goes on that run in New York. Somebody so brought that up good. earlier. DePaul couldn't miss. They had fourteen three-pointers in that game. And you know, I, I brought this up yeah. to another caller, Jake. I can't remember. You know, my wife's birthday, but I can. I actually I do because it's Cinco de Mayo. But I can't remember like certain things to do around the house. But I can remember the score of that game. It was 108-69, and everybody thought they were done. And then, like you said, now it took Jerry McNamara's miraculous run to get him there. The difference is this team, they lose that game. Guess what? Still in the tournament. They lose Saturday, still in the tournament. They lose in the ACC tournament, they're still in the tournament. That's the difference. I'd like to make two more points. Sure. One, uh, next, could you look up the percentage of whoever won the NBA's three-point shootout this year? Because I think I think Virginia shot a better percentage than that, and you know they're a very well coached team. That's just what they do. They wear you out. They run the clock. But at the end of the first half, I've been pointing this out all day. They were there was 35 seconds left and a 30 second shot clock, and instead of just inbound the ball right away, the point guard looks up at the clock and lets four seconds run off so Syracuse won't get a last second shot. And you know that's just Mensa level basketball IQ. They're they're just a great team. Tip your cap and then move on to Clemson. Thanks for taking my call. Jake, thanks for the call as always, my friend. Now, it's interesting how trends shift because earlier in the season, Syracuse was not a very good first-half team and picked it up in the second, and the correlation there is usually Ty's battle. 
That has shifted a little bit because what's interesting about the Duke, Virginia, and Carolina losses, three top five teams that you faced in, what, the last 11, 12 days, they led at halftime of each of those games. They led North Carolina at halftime, 46-43, lost the second half, 50-39. to There's always that gap in the second half when the shots aren't falling and teams pounce on you, which is what good teams do. Syracuse led Duke at the Dome, 34-29 at halftime. Second half score, 46-31. Last night, well, we all saw what happened. 47-19, they were outscored in the second half after leading at halftime, 34-32. So I think people would like the team back that struggles in the first half but comes through in the second because that trend's reversing itself right now. Jim Beheim was asked about that last night. They were, they're the same defensive team in both halves. We move better. Like I said, we didn't shoot great. We didn't get 34 points because we shot great. We shot 38% from the two and 37% from the three. You know, we didn't, it wasn't that we were shooting it great. We were moving better, getting to the rim, um, making some plays. And the second half, we, you know, we really were, we really didn't move the ball like we have to. And, uh, you know, again, it was really bad offense compared to the first half, which you score 34 points against Virginia in a half, you're, doing, you're playing good. You're doing a lot of good things. But the second half, we, we, didn't get good, we didn't get any really good shots in the second half. It's Jim Beheim last night after Syracuse's loss to Virginia, and they didn't. Virginia's a really good defensive team, hence what I was saying earlier, that eventually the percentages are going to catch up to you. A team that does the things as well as Virginia does – you're not going to completely shut them out of it. Now, again, the three-point shooting is is one thing, but they came back and rebounding. They stopped turning the ball over. Again, adjustments is an overused word, but Virginia, they to use Jake's term, they are a smart team. There's just certain teams that it is drilled into them, and not only do they make adjustments from their head coach, they make adjustments on the floor because they're veteran teams and have been through the ringer and know how to make that adjustment. Syracuse, here's a, a flaw you can point out that I think is fair. They're one of the most veteran teams in the country, and at times they don't play like it. They don't play like a team that's sharp, knows how to make those adjustments, can kind of figure things out. And where that comes from is they don't have a floor leader in the sense of the position you need it from. Now, we've been over this. Tyus is their leader, but Tyus was shut down last night. So when Tyus gets shut down, who takes on the reins? Frank certainly didn't do it last night. O'Shea struggled, but from his position, it's hard for him to do it. Buddy can come in and hit some shots, but he's not running the floor. Who's your leader when Tyus gets shut down? They don't have one. By default, it should be Frank. He's your senior point guard, but has been inconsistent enough at that position that you can't rely on that to happen, and last night was the case. 22 minutes, 6 points, 1 assists. One assist, pardon me. At 13 in the two games prior to that, looked like he was starting to get back on that realm, but the consistency isn't there. So here's, again, the tournament is all about matchups and a lot of things that I can't discuss here on March 5th. I can only look at the strengths and weaknesses of a team. And I think that's where the frustration lies from the fans. They know they're in the tournament. They avoided a pitfall at Wake Forest, but they say, is this a team that's really starting to hit its groove come March? And the answer to that is, I don't know. Sometimes they look like it, sometimes they don't. 
You saw a team last night that's hitting its groove. I mean, again, 18 three-pointers is absurd. But Virginia knows their identity, they know what they are, and they excel at it. They've got veteran leadership, three-point shooting, rebounding, defense, good coaching. Let's go. What is Syracuse's identity? What is the thing that's going to carry them through the tournament? Well, it's you got to play well in the zone. You need Tyus Battle to not run into a DeAndre Hunter. You need O'Shea to shoot better. You need something from your inside players. You need some complement on the perimeter. That's where Elijah Hughes is your X factor. If he's on and he's hitting from the perimeter, and now the last, not so much this game as the Wake Forest game, but he has more confidence driving the ball inside. He only did it a couple times last night, but you're starting to see him take those opportunities because they're there. Because the book, the film, when you study Syracuse, he's going to shoot the three. And the numbers bear that out. He's taken, I think, uh, 200, I don't know the numbers right in front of me, but it's like 210 threes to like 125 inside the three-point line. I could be off a little bit there, but the gap is huge enough. So the scouting report is keep him off the perimeter. Now he's starting to get that ball and make you pay if you don't man him up right there and let him drive in. He's the X factor, and you know I love what Marek Dolja is doing. The hustle, that block he had last night, the guy rolls his ankle. I said it on Twitter at the time, oh, he'll walk it off. He pretty much did. They taped him up, get him back out there, right? So I love what he's doing, but can you really count on Marek Dolja to be a difference maker in an NCAA tournament game? That's what Syracuse needs. Who's the difference maker when inevitably Tyus runs into a spot where he can't be the guy? But I also look at, and I got to get to a break here, but I also look at it and I say, how many DeAndre Hunters are out there? I don't know because that's what the tournament bears. You could get a team that is an excellent defender that can do exactly what Hunter did to Syracuse last night. The difference is how many teams have a player like DeAndre Hunter, 6'7", 225, Kawhi Leonard-type player, that's going to you know, be a lottery pick, as Jim Beheim said last night. Let's break on that note. We can certainly continue this discussion next, though. 437-7644, if you'd like to join, 288-0644. The text line, stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.